You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. This is the moments uh, for those who. Old Time Radio Carnival Screams Podcast. Welcome back to the Carnival Screams Podcast. If you love classic old time radio, horror, suspense, comedy, sci fi shows from the golden age of radio, you have found the right podcast. Before we get into our podcast, we now have all of our links in one place. So it's now even easier to join our community, keep up with the podcast, follow us on social media. Also, check out our store. It's full of great merch. I would appreciate your support to keep this podcast going and growing. All you have to do to follow us is just click the link at the top of our show notes. Or you can Google Linktree Carnival of Screams, and Carnival of Screams is all one word. Please help support our podcast. Check out our merch in the store. Also, you can help me out by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, or comment on your podcast platform. This will help others find our podcast. Hey, one last thing. We also have a Patreon account now loaded full of great extras you won't find anywhere else. Uh, the link it will be in the top of the show notes as well. So let's get started. I have another great one for you today. Hey, this week we have a, a double feature for you. The first one is Adventures of Nero Wolf, The Lost Heir. It first aired on April 20th, 1951. A blind man's daughter returns to him after being thought being dead for 13 years. But is she his daughter? The second is a double-double feature featuring Abbott and Costello, Who's on First, and Lion Honey. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you mystery, adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Mr. Horace Crail. Crail, uh, does Mr. Crail know Mr. Wolf? Oh, I see. What is it, Archie? A guy named Horace Crail. His secretary says he wants to talk to you. What about? I don't know. Horace? Uh, Mr. Wolf's rather busy right now, but I'll give him a message if you wish. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait a second, Mr. Wolf. What? Black on red and red on black. Archie, this is solitaire. So? Solitaire is a game that is played by one single person alone. If I wish to put a red card on a red card or a black card on a black card... You're cheating. Of course I am cheating. What is the message Mr. Horace Crail's secretary asks you to convey? Just that he wants to see you. In a rather tragic sense, I suppose he does. Why tragic? In that he wants to see me. He is blind. 
Tell him to come here at his own convenience. Okay. Uh, what does Mr. Crow want to see Mr. Wolf about? A murder? A murder that may still be prevented. Archie. Uh, just a second. What? I have run the cards out perfectly. Is it his own murder Mr. Crayer wants us to prevent? Ladies and gentlemen, it's that renowned genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, most ponderous and most brilliant detective in the world. Yes, none other than that chair-borne mass of unpredictable intellect, Nero Wolfe. Created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. Once in a long while, Mr. Wolf and I talk about this affair. When we do, we call it the case of the lost heir. But I don't think the title's quite adequate. For me, it ought to be called the case of a gone goose. And I was the goose. Well, Archie, do you see any red on red or black on black? Nope. So? So what? You irritate me, Archie. Okay, you won your little game of solitaire perfectly, as you say. Now, who is Horace Crail? A prominent industrialist. If you read the papers, you would know. Horace Crail. Crail? Oh, yeah, the Crail Company. Exactly. How did you know he was blind? If he is. The papers have carried the story. The headlines read, Blind Father Welcomes Lost Daughter. Oh, yeah, I remember. A few days ago, there was a picture, too. <laughs> I thought you'd remember the girl at least. Well, if it's the one I remember, I remembered. Archie. Oh, well, it probably isn't true. By the way, let me tell you what I found out about the facts of life. The door, Archie. Mr. Crail is here to see Mr. Wolf. Oh, yes. Come in. This is Mr. Crail. I'm his secretary, Hugh Gaines. Uh, there's a step here, Mr. Crail. Of course. Uh, who is this man? I'm Archie Goodwin, Mr. Wolf's assistant. Mr. Wolf's waiting for you. Where is Mr. Wolf, Mr. Goodwin? I led the way. The blind man and his secretary followed. Mr. Horace Crail was tall, thin, white-haired. His face was heavily lined, but the lines were not those of care or worry. He wore very dark glasses through which he might not have been able to see, even if he had had his sight. Hugh Gaines, the secretary, was in his late 20s, surprisingly young and surprisingly handsome for the kind of a job he had. I led them into Mr. Wolfe's office, made the introductions, and sat them down. Well, Mr. Crail, what can I do for you? As you see, Mr. Wolfe, I'm blind. Need I say you have my deepest sympathy? I don't give a hoot for your sympathy, Mr. Wolfe. Oh, uh, thank you, of course. I mention my condition merely because it affects the position in which I find myself. Go on. Uh, you. Yes, Mr. Crail? Tell Mr. Wolfe about my daughter. Oh, incidentally, Mr. Wolfe, I ask my secretary to do this because in this way you will get a first-hand account. Now, let's see. A few days ago, Tuesday to be exact, at about three o'clock in the afternoon, a young woman walked into the house and said she wanted to see her father. I spoke to her myself. She said her name was Magda Crail. I asked her certain questions. Why, Mr. Gaines? He asked her questions because he thought, and I, I thought, that my daughter died 13 years ago. Oh, either the girl who came back to me is my daughter, or she is an imposter, and she belongs in jail. Is there any doubt in your mind about it? Of course. That's why I'm here. On the telephone, you said something about preventing murder. 
Well, I, uh, I have a stepson named Anthony George to whom I intended to leave my money, not because I liked him, <laughs> simply because I had nobody else to leave it to. Except your daughter. Except my daughter, if she is my daughter. We were talking about murder. I was talking about my daughter and my stepson. Uh, same thing, I think. Maybe, possibly. I don't know. Mr. Crayer. Yes? I am not a wealthy man, but I am certainly able to make ends meet. Yeah? What do you mean? Explain, Archie. I think Mr. Wolf means that if you don't want to be frank with him, he'd rather not waste his time. Mr. Wolf, I apologize if I've seemed to spar with you. Foolish. See, a blind man can only judge by what he hears and smells and feels. So? Oh, I must be a little more cautious than I would have to be uh, otherwise. I'm sorry, Mr. Crayer. Patience is not one of my virtues. Now, about your daughter or your non-daughter. What's her name? Magda. She calls herself Magda Crail, which, of course, was my daughter's name. What makes you think she isn't your daughter? Well, ten million dollars, partly. Uh, once again, Mr. Grant? My estate may be worth more than that, but uh, surely not less. You? Surely not less, Mr. Crail. Rather more, I should say. Yes, ten million might have some appeal to an ambitious girl, eh, Archie? Sure, but I'm not a girl, and I'm not ambitious. Nobody could accuse you of either fault. Mr. Crayle, we are getting nowhere. Either you tell your story from the beginning or take it somewhere else. Archie, I'd like some beer. When I went out for the beer, the kitchen was a mess, and incidentally, I saw what was being prepared for lunch. When I got back to the office, Mr. Crayle and his boy were gone. One beer for Mr. Wolf. What happened? What took you so long, Archie? I had a sandwich. And spoiled your lunch. You know what you're having for lunch? Of course. I planned it. Baby octopus. Delicious. I'll take your word for it. What happened to the blind tycoon? Get your book, will you, Archie? I want to give you a few notes. Just a second. Okay. Item. Item. You needn't repeat everything after me. Yes, master. Item, Horace Crayer was born blind. Item, his wife and their six-year-old daughter, Magda, disappeared in their private plane 13 years ago. Magda returned last Tuesday. Item, no matter what he says to the contrary, Horace Crayer is afraid he's going to be killed. I think Mr. Crayer is right. From Archie Goodwin to Nero Wolf. Time, 4.32 p.m. The notes you dictated on the Crail case are on your blotter. Three pages of them. You are with your orchids. I am on my way to the Crail domicile to meet the other characters in this turgid drama. As per instructions, I will bring them here if possible. Love, Archie. Yes, sir? My name is Goodwin, Archie Goodwin, I believe I'm expected. This way, please, sir. Tell me you're near old wolf. Not by a couple of hundred pounds. I'm Archie Goodwin, his assistant. Well, I'm Magda Crail. Nobody's assistant. That awful Hugh Gaines creature said near old wolf wants to talk to me. He does. Well, where is he? Waiting for you. No hurry, though. No hurry at all. Just, uh, just play and don't worry about a thing.
Black hair, green eyes, skin like a magnolia petal. Beautiful, beautiful. While she finished what she was playing, I watched her. Beautiful. could get along together, Archie, if that's the way you are. It's the way I am. I can't seem to do anything about it. Where's Anthony? Anthony? Oh, Anthony George. Well, I thought both my repulsive half-brother and I were supposed to meet Nero Wolfe. I'm here in case anybody wants to know. Over there in the shadows, listening with all his ears. That's Anthony George. Shall we go and talk to Nero Wolfe, Anthony? Goodwin? You look like a normal sort of person. Well, that's open to question, but go on. If you had to choose between $10 million and killing a woman by due process of law, which would you choose? I'll think about it between now and July 1994. Now, shall we go talk to Nero Wolf? Miss Crayer. Yes, Mr. Wolf. Why did you wait until now, until last Tuesday, to let your father know that you were living? Does it make any difference? I think so. Thirteen years ago, I was six. What she means is that she was six when she died. But I didn't die, Anthony Sweet. Obviously. But Magda Crail did. With my mother. His mother. Anthony says he doesn't remember me as a child. But I remember him, the brat. What about me? When I was about four or five, you were eight or nine, I suppose... Do you remember dressing up in one of Daddy's tailcoats, a sword, and Mother's hat with a plume? Suppose I did. You're still not my sister. Don't worry, Anthony. When poor father dies, I'll support you. Archie. Sir? I made a mistake. A mistake? You? I thought I wanted to talk to these young people. I don't. Take them away. Take the young lady to a nightclub. On my salary? As part of our investigation, it will be charged to Mr. Horace Crail. It was no hardship at all. In fact, it was a pleasure. We dropped Anthony George off at the Crail place, and Magda and I went on and on. You're a wonderful dancer, Archie. You can't make enemies that way, honey. Archie, why did Mr. Wolf want you to take me out? To find out whether you really are Crail's daughter. How did he expect you to find out? I don't know. Do you think he knew? He probably had some idea, but I don't know what it could have been. Honestly? Honestly. Archie, do you think I'm telling the truth? No. But wait a minute, baby. I I don't think you're lying, either. I just don't think. Give me my handbag, Archie. Thanks. I've got something here that might interest both you and Mr. Wolf. Here. Those are snapshots that were taken of me before I was six. Ah. Ah, cute. Now look at me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, can't you see those pictures are of me? Kids that young all look the same to me, but uh, suppose they are pictures of you. What are they? Well, just this. I found them in one of Mr. Crail's old photograph albums. My father, I mean. Oh, here's something. Well, one lying on my tummy on the white bearskin rug. All babies get their pictures taken that way. Here, give it to me. Wait a second. What's this mark under your shoulder blade? It's a little birthmark, like a strawberry. Yeah, it's clear. Uh, look, honey. Why are you so interested in babies, Archie? Because I always thought I should have been a mother. Now, look, have you still got that mark on your back? Of course. At least I suppose so. They don't go away, do they? Uh, who 
are you going? I'll be right back. Yeah, Wolf speaking. Archie Godwin. I'm with Mac DeCrail. No doubt. What? No doubt, I said. But never mind. What do you want? I want to ask a question. Go on. You don't think Mac is Horace Crail's daughter, do you? I don't think anything. You're stealing your lines from me. Never. All right, then, no. I don't think the girl is Crail's daughter. That's just what I hoped you'd say. Why, Archie? Because for once you're wrong. She's pretty, isn't she? Yes, she is. Also, she's got a birthmark. You have seen it? Good night, Archie. But you deserted me, Archie. You know Hugh Gaines, don't you? Hello, Gaines. Hello, Goodwin. Making hay while the moon shines? You know, if you work that into a routine, it could be pretty dull. You don't like me, do you? Do I have to? No. No, not in the least. Well, that's good. Mr. Wolf and I feel it's wrong to like any of our clients, especially in nightclubs. Really? Why? Because they might sit down at your table while you're making a telephone call. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Finish your drink. Once again, I'm sorry. Forget it. Mr. Crail seems to think that uh, Magna's trying to rook him. Apparently. What do you think? Boys. I'm here, too, you know. Quiet. What do you think, Mr. Gaines? Well, to me, it's a matter of no importance one way or the other. As for Mr. Crail, what he wants is absolute proof. And, of course, there's no such thing as proof that is absolute. Do you want me to add it up for you? Yeah. That's exactly what I want you to do for me. Add it up. Thirteen years ago, Mrs. Crail and her small daughter, Magda, boarded a chartered plane in St. Louis to fly across the Ozarks to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. They took off. And that's the last that ever was heard of them, or the pilot, or the plane. Okay, add some more. Mr. Crail had the whole area searched for months. The search itself cost almost $50,000. And the plane was not found. They finally decided that it must have fallen into the Mississippi, where it would sink to the bottom and uh, stay forever. Now, wait a minute. Magda. Yes, Archie? Don't you remember anything about this trip? Nothing. Not a single thing. The last I remember is Mother putting me to bed in a strange city, in a hotel. And that's all. Okay, what's the next thing you remember? Archie, dear. Yeah? Didn't my father go over this whole business with Mr. Wolf? I suppose he did. Then do we have to do it again? There must be some reason why he wanted me to take you to a nightclub. Because I might say something I haven't already said a hundred times. Maybe. What's the next thing you remember after your mother put you to bed in a strange city? Archie, I have a confession to make. This I believe. Go ahead. Ten million dollars is a lot of money. So I've been told. I don't really remember a single solitary thing before I was six years old and going to school in Rogers, Arkansas. Not Anthony George wearing tails and a sword? There's one of the pictures in the album. Not your mother putting you to bed in a hotel in St. Louis? Ten million dollars, Archie. So you're not Magda Crail? Well, of course I'm Magda Crail. Oh, I may have tried to make the story sound a little more convincing than I should have. But I'm Magda Crail just the same. How could I be anybody else? So far, I can't see why you shouldn't be anybody else. Miss Crail will now bring up the matter of the diary. Won't you, Miss Crail? The diary? Oh, you don't know. Then Mr. Wolf has told you nothing at all about this case, has he? He probably told me all I needed to know. What about a diary? Well, you see, Mr. Goodwin, Miss Crail's memory begins at about the happy age of seven. A black-haired, green-eyed, pigtailed brat named Maggie Lomax. Only child of Walt and Mabel Lomax of Rogers, Arkansas. Am I correct, Miss Lomax? Uh, 
Miss Crail, I mean. He's a sarcastic character, isn't he, Archie? That he is, that he is. What about this diary? To cut a long sob story short, Walt and Mabel Lomax died in an automobile accident a few weeks ago, leaving um, only Maggie. Take it from there, Maggie. There was no money. I looked through the house to find anything I could sell, and I came across a hidden box. The diary was in the box, along with some clothes that might fit a six-year-old girl. The clothes look like what the girl was last seen wearing. How do you know? <laughs> well, there's a photograph in one of Mr. Crail's albums taken in St. Louis the day before the flight. But for uh, ten million, those clothes could be reproduced. Stitch for stitch. Archie, dear. Take him out in the alley, it would be a pleasure. <laughs> oh, now, wait a second, Archie. With one arm tied behind you, I think you could probably beat me into a pulp. Is it all right if we uh, don't prove it? We were talking about the diary, Archie. Okay, what about it? Archie, I don't even claim the handwriting is mine. What's handwriting when you're six years old? Still, the first page is one of those things that has name, name of parents, home address, and like that. Color of hair, eyes, you know. Sure, I had one myself. Certainly. Every child had one. One or a dozen. Maybe they still do. You fill in the first page and then you never write another word. Honey. They were cheap. I doubt if they cost a quarter and... There was a place that said, my first date, favorite pastor... Look, baby. Oh, he calls me baby, Mr. Gaines. Yes, I noticed that. I think he'd believe your story no matter what you told him. Get lost, will you, Mr. Gaines? What's that? Get lost, drop dead, turn blue. Well, I can take a hint. Good night, Archie and Miss Lomax. Prissy, isn't he? Prissy is the word. He doesn't seem to believe your story. He believes what he's told to believe. It's his job. Sure. You believe me, don't you, Archie? Honey, you're beautiful, just the way you are. Now, let's talk about the diary. I hate you. I hate you, too. Shall we dance? The diary. Oh, dear. Where is it? Do you call this romance? No, I call it working overtime. Where is it? Here, in my handbag. Here. Push over. We look at it together. I'm not crowding you, am I? What's a little crowding? Cozy, isn't it? Now, look at the cover first. My diary, 1934. I suppose somebody gave it to me for my sixth birthday. Let's just not suppose anything, shall we? All right, Archie. Page one. Name, Magda Crail. Date of birth, October 11th, 1928. But you read it. Or can you read? Anything you can write, honey. Uh, date of birth and so on. Father Horace Crail, Mother Mabel Crail. Hair black, eyes green. My favorite pastime, playing with dolphins. Playing has a why in it. You know what I think, Archie. You wouldn't call that writing, would you? Not real writing. It's more like printing. I think my mother guided my hand when I wrote that. Yeah, that's the way it looks, all right. Well. Dance now? Dance now. While we danced, while I held that disturbing girl in my arms, I tried to believe the case was just as simple as it seemed. Somehow, she'd survived a plane crash, a head injury, and then a normal life with a couple who naturally wouldn't tell her that she wasn't really theirs. I tried to believe it. I was trying hard when... Archie, don't look. There's Anthony George. Oh, yeah, alone in the corner. You've had a lot of experience, Archie. Do you think he's a killer? A what? Do you think he'd commit murder? I don't think anything about him, but why should he? For ten million dollars? I see what you mean. Are you worried? Not with you around, Archie. Not with you around. It 
was like that, maybe even more like that, until the waiter told me I was wanted on the telephone. I asked her to keep the table warm, that I'd be right back. Hello? 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 This is Archie Goodwin. Archie? Oh, hello, Mr. Wolf. I've been talking to Mr. Crail. Wonderful. A little less humor, perhaps? Okay, what about Mr. Crail? He showed me some pictures of his daughter. Baby pictures? Unfortunately. Some of the pictures were missing from the album. Those are the ones I've been looking at. Archie, I'm interested in that birthmark. So am I. Do you think you could persuade the young lady to have a picture taken of her back undraped? Wait a minute. Just one moment, please. Well? You mean that? Clear picture in a bright light. How would you like her posed, Mr. Wolf? I am not amused, Archie. Okay, I'm sorry. All I want is a clear, sharp, focused picture of that birthmark. And I expect you to get it for me. <laughs> Good night, Archie. Hello again. Dance? No. Talk. More talk? Lots more. What now? That birthmark. So I've got a birthmark. What about it? I wish I had one that was worth ten million. So do I. This one is worth nothing to me. Since my father doesn't believe I'm his daughter. He's blind. That kind of identification doesn't mean anything to him. You're forgetting the people he trusts. Hugh Gaines, for instance. If the birthmark is there, couldn't he look at it, compare it with those awful baby pictures, and say, yes, here is your daughter? I've got news for you, Archie. He has looked at it. He says it looks the same as the one in the baby pictures. Has he told your father that? Yes. But he also told him he thought I was a fake. But somehow I found out that the six-year-old daughter of a millionaire had died in a plane crash 13 years ago. And I found out she had a strawberry birthmark on her back. And I had one, too. So I decided to say that I was Magda Crail. That's absurd. Of course it is. You can see how it's going to work out, can't you, Archie? Frankly, no. How? My father went to Mr. Wolf simply to have him prove that I am his daughter. Whatever Hugh Gaines says. The only thing I'm afraid of, though... What are you afraid of, baby? I'm afraid my darling half-brother might kill him. Before he has a chance to change his will. Isn't that a somewhat mercenary view to take of the matter? Maybe it is, Archie. And maybe I'd feel differently about it if my father had found me instead of waiting for me to find him. He tried, didn't he? I wonder. Let's get back to that birthmark. Are you allergic to floodlights? I know a photographer who has a studio. Confound it, Archie. How did you know it was going to be me? Because nobody else would dare to call me this late. What do you want? I got the pictures. They're drying now. If you come home, bring them with you. They may be important tomorrow. Have you heard that Horace Crail was murdered? No. How? Who? Where? Tomorrow we'll talk about it, Archie. Good night. At 4 p.m. the next day, there was quite a lot of confusion in Nero Wolf's office. At his direction, I'd set up a picture screen at one end of the room, and on his desk at the other end, a rather strangely constructed projector. At 4.30, the guests arrived. Magda, Anthony, George, Hugh Gaines, and of course, Inspector Kramer, ready to make an arrest if he could figure out whom to arrest. Hello, Inspector. Hi, Goodwin. Magda, Anthony, George, Hugh. Yeah, what's this all about? Uh, What's going on, Archie? You got me, Inspector. I think Mr. Wolf wants to show slides of his trip to Yellowstone Park. 
But here he is, ask him. Oh, say, Wolf, you want to know what I think? Not in the least, Inspector. Sit down somewhere, won't you? Mm. Archie, will you turn out the lights? Thank you. Now, this is a picture of Magda Crail lying on her stomach at the age of six months. I changed the focus so, and we have a close-up of a birthmark. A smooth discoloration that looks as if it might have been painted on. Now, look, Wolf. You said if I came here, you'd give me the guy who killed Horace Crail. And you show me a picture of a baby's back. Inspector, if you open your mouth again, I may not keep my promise. Go ahead. While we look at this enlargement of a birthmark on baby's back, let us remember that the late Mr. Horace Crail was blind and never saw it. So what? What's he getting that good one? Inspector, if I knew, I'd tell you. Listen. Mr. Crail had a trusted secretary, Hugh Gaines. I'm here. Of course, Mr. Gaines had a brilliant idea. He knew the tragedy of Mrs. Crail and her daughter, and he decided to bring Crail's daughter back to life. What makes you think so, Mr. Wolf? You had access to the photograph album, and only you. Oddly enough, Mr. Crail didn't even know his daughter had a birthmark until you told him. That may be true, but what of it? It's unimportant. Now I want to show you another picture. Archie, explain this picture, will you? A rating from left to right, this is a picture of Miss Crail's back. Very pretty, too. As you can see, there is what appears to be a small birthmark, somewhat under the lip shoulder blade. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should, too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I change focus, and as it becomes larger... That's not a birthmark. That's tattooing. You can see it. Tattooing, of course. And Mr. Gaines had a brilliant idea how to make use of a tattooed birthmark and Miss Magna to help him out. But blind as he was, Horace Crail saw through it. That's why Hugh Gaines had to kill him. No, you don't, Gaines. Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf, are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Well, Inspector Kramer, Mr. Gaines is your man. Another bottle of beer, please, Archie. It's right there in front of you. 
You know, I was thinking. A girl can get herself tattooed, can't she? Is that a crime? What does it prove? Archie, Archie. Have I ever told you I love you? <laughs> I'm going to bed. Good night, Archie. been listening to the new adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by Mindred Lord was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman production, produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Harry Bartell as Archie Goodwin, and Martha Shaw, Vic Rodman, Peter Leeds, Gray Stafford, and Bill Johnstone. Next week, at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you the case in Room 304. Don Stanley speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. This Sunday, the glamorous and unpredictable Tallulah brings you another hour-and-a-half broadcast of The Big Show, starring Fred Allen, Judy Holliday, Joan Davis, Fran Warren, and many more. And this Sunday's Theater Guild on the Air production is the Broadway comedy The First Year. Starring in this Theater Guild presentation are Richard Widmark and Catherine Grayson. Remember, Tallulah Bankhead stars in her wonderful big show Sunday on NBC. Hey, Abbott. Yes, Costello? Are you the manager of this baseball team? Yes. Well, now that I'm down here for spring training, I would like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so when I meet them on the street or in a ballpark, I'll be able to say hello to them. Well, naturally, I'll introduce you to the boys and a regular bunch of boys we have, but you know, strange as it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names. Yes, nicknames, pet names, you know, like Dizzy Dean. Is what a Daffy? Daffy Dean. I'm their cousin. Now, what's your first name? Goofy. That's what I thought. So let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. And I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Wait a minute. Are you the manager? Yes. You know the guy's name? Well, I should. Who's on first? That's right. I mean, the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The fellow on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Who is on first? Well, go ahead and tell me. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Have you got a contract with the first baseman? Why, certainly. Who signed the contract? Well, naturally. You wouldn't expect anybody else to sign it. But who? Yes. Look, when you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Every dollar. Oh, absolutely. All I'm trying to find out is what is the guy's name on first base? Oh, now, wait a minute. Let's straighten that out. What is on second base? Who's on second? Who is on first? One base at a time. I know, but don't change the players around. I'm not changing anybody. I only want to know what's the guy's name on first base. But I'm telling you what is on second. I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? That's what I want to find out. I know, but who is who and what is what? Don't change it. Look, that don't mean nothing to me. All I want to know is what's the guy's name on first base. But what is on second base? Who's on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. How did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned the third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who is playing first? Never mind first. I'm going to 
want to know what's the guy's name on third base. But what's on second? Who's on second? Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Oh, I can't change the name. Let you and I stay on third base. Now, what do you want to know? Now, who is playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? Who am I putting on third base? Yes, but we don't want him there. You don't want who there? No. So what's the guy's name belongs there? No, what belongs on second? Who's on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base. base. <laughs> you got outfield? That's good. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd say. Then tell me who's playing left field. Oh, no. Who is playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third, third base. base. Look, the left field is named. Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. <laughs> You've got, you got a pitcher on the team. Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? The pitcher's name. Tamara. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, man. Go ahead. Tamara. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen. Who is not pitching? Who is... I'll break your rhyme, you say, who's on first? Go ahead, have it. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. You got a catcher? Absolutely. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. That's all. We've got a couple of days on a team. Well, I can't help that. You know, I'm a catcher, too. I know that. Now, I'll get behind the plate. I'll do some fancy catching, and tomorrow's pitching on my team. Mm -hmm. The heavy hitter gets up. Tamara throws the ball, and the guy up bunched the ball. Now, when he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. So? Who's got it? Naturally. Oh, naturally he's got it. No, 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 no. Who's got it? Naturally. That's right. Well, that's what I said. That's right. Now, I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, no, you throw it to who? Naturally. That's right. That's what I said. That's what I said. That's what I heard it then. That's right. Now, I pick up the ball and I throw it to who? That's right. Whoever that's... it is drops the ball and the guy runs to second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to... I don't know. I don't know what throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't give a darn. Uh, what was that? I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. Oh, I'm a bad boy. That's right, folks. B for comedy, A for Abbott, M for Maxwell, E for Ennis, L for Lou Costello. Yes, they spell camel. Your taste will tell you about camel's rich, full flavor. Your throat will welcome camel's cool mildness. So draw up a chair for tonight's show starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Uh, 
did you go hunting with your Uncle Artie Stebbins last Saturday? What did you say? I say, did you go hunting with your Uncle Artie Stebbins last Saturday? Yeah, a terrible thing happened. A great big bear sneaked up behind us, grabbed Uncle Artie's gun out of his hands and stuck it in his back. What did Uncle Artie do? What could he do? He married the bear's daughter. Uh... <laughs> Never mind that. Did you see any? Did you see any big game? I saw a giraffe, but I didn't shoot him. He had a sore throat. Well, there's nothing worse than a giraffe with a sore throat. Oh, yes, there is. Uh, what? A centipede with corns. <laughs> you dummy. I didn't think you ever... I didn't think you ever went hunting in your life, and I don't believe you did. I'll bet you haven't even got a hunting license. I have, too. Here it is. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no hunting license. This is a picture of Hedy Lamar. You hunt what you like, and I'll hunt what I like. <laughs> you, uh, hunter... Why, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, my brother and I, we used to hunt alligators. Alligators? Yeah, one time an alligator was just about to attack my brother-in-law. I fired off both barrels of my trusty rifle. Did you kill the alligator? See the swallow? Genuine alligator? No, genuine brother-in-law. I... Dog says, come here, look at this. You see this picture? Now, I trapped all these rabbits last winter. Now, how many would you say there are? 876. That's exactly right. Oh, wait a minute. How did you guess it? Oh, I just count the legs and divide by four. I... <laughs> Costello, have you ever been in Africa? In Africa on uh, la safari? No, but I've been in New York on safari. I... A safari in New York? Yeah, Staten Island safari. <laughs> and also the Hoboken safari. Oh, now, come on, that's ridiculous. Lots Costello. of safaris around there. Hey, listen to me, though. You should have been with me on my elephant hump. Oh, there I was, surrounded by elephants. One big bull elephant started towards me. I said to myself, I'm trapped. Babbage, you're trapped. Should I run or stand here and shoot the bull? You've been doing all right up to now. All right, all right. Well, I shot. The elephant fell and broke a tusk. Broke a what? A tusk, tusk. Tusk, tusk, you two and a couple of poo-poos. Oh, no. A tusk is valuable. We use 50,000 elephants a year just to make billiard balls. My, how do they train those big, clumsy beasts to do such delicate work? I can see you... I can see you know nothing about elephants. I once held 100 elephants in India with an old acquaintance of mine. And an elephant sat on them. Someday I gotta go back there. Why? To scrape up an old acquaintance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but did you ever shoot a, a zebra? Yes, I did. Could I have the zebra skin? Oh, what do you want with a zebra skin? My Aunt Minnie is in Alcatraz and she needs a new fur coat. No, <laughs> that's silly, Costello. However, I have a stuffed uh, rhinoceros you can have. Of course, you know what a rhinoceros is, don't you? Oh, sure. That's a hippopotamus with a red eater cap. No. <laughs> now, come on out there. I know you're breathing. All right. <laughs> Costello, this is the last week of the big game hunting season. Now, tomorrow I'm going hunting in the high Sierras, and I'd like you to come along with me. Oh, gee, thanks, Abbott. Say, you've done a lot of hunting. Uh, what do they call those little flies that buzz around the animals? Gnats. I asked you a civil question. <laughs> what do they call those little flies? Gnats, gnats. Gnats to you, too, brother. No, 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 you don't. Gnats are the flies that annoy the animals. Of course, some of them have ticks. Why don't they take the ticks and give those flies a good trashing? I, I didn't say sticks. I said ticks. For instance, there's deer sticks. The deer ticks? There's certainly deer ticks. Who wound them up? Oh, nobody wound them up. And what makes him tick? Somebody must have slipped a gruel in his gruel. Now, Stella, when I say... Listen to me, please. When I say deer ticks, I don't mean the deer ticks. I mean deer ticks. Abbott, let me smell your breath. Oh, come on, please. Talk sense. The deer has ticks, and the ticks bother the deer. They used to bother me when I went to school. Ticks bothered you in school? Yeah. Arithmetics? Mathematics? <laughs> and one time a tick got me in trouble with the teacher. Oh, now, wait a minute. How could a tick get you in trouble with the teacher? I ticked my tongue out at the teacher, and she twounced the tweet of my trousers with a twat. Now, 
Well, I, I'm talking about animal ticks. Hundreds of animals in the woods have ticks. That must be a pretty sound. When hundreds of animals get together and they all start ticking at once. No, no, listen, Costello, listen to me. Deer have ticks. Elks have ticks. And one time my father shot a moose with ticks. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? Sure, your father's moose ticks. I right know. <laughs> You're getting more stupid every day. I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to say to you. I've tried and I've tried to improve your mind, but I just can't seem to get anywhere. Why don't you face it, Abbott? You're a failure. Well, here I am, Abbott. And I'm all ready to go hunting with you up in the mountains. Oh, that's fine, Costello. How is your hunting equipment? I got the best, Abbott. Look, Cornell Wilde's old address book. Costello, honey... Hunting is a serious sport. Now, suppose you came face to face with a big Bruin. What would you do? Ask him for a ticket to the Rose Bowl game. Oh, <laughs> you know, Marilyn Maxwell and uh, Skinny Ennis are going to meet us at the hunting lodge. I hope you brought something along. I did. I brought a quart of bourbon in case somebody gets the chills. What are you bringing, Abbott? Mm, the chills. <laughs> Costello. Did you bring a gun? Oh, yes, here it is. This is my sawed-off shotgun. Wait a minute. Where is the handle? How do you like that? I sawed off the wrong end. <laughs> yeah, come on, Costello. Marilyn's getting here waiting for us at the hunting lodge in the mountains. Let's go. Hiya, fat, flabby, and flat-headed. Oh, now, nah, wait a minute. Don't insult Costello, Skinny. Uh, don't be a pill. Skinny ain't no pill. He's too long and narrow. <laughs> Well, thank you, Costello. You're a capsule. <laughs> You're a funny-looking hunter, Skinny. Do you know anything about guns? I know guns inside and out. My man, when I was a kid with the circus, they used to shoot me out of an air rifle. What do you know about <laughs> What do you know about hunting, Costello? Have you seen that big bear rug in my living room? Sure. Well, I shot that bear myself. What a battle. It was either me or the bear. Well, I'm glad it was the bear. You'd make an awful lumpy rug. <laughs> Hey, look, Costello, here comes Marilyn Maxwell. Hi, boys. And hello, Lois. Lewis, honey, my chubby little chuckling chipmunk. Oh, Marilyn, my sugar-coated sharpshooter. Plug me with a buckshot of your kisses. Oh. Lewis, honey, how do you like my hunting outfit? That's Fifth Avenue. Get a load of mine. Army surplus. <laughs> It's going to be fun hunting with you. What's your favorite wild game? Post office. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, post office isn't a wild game. It is the way I play it. Ah, oh, Lewis, my little snowman, come melt in my arms. Gee, Marilyn, when I'm close to you like this, I just can't seem to break away. Well, why not? My nose is caught in the trigger of your shotgun. <laughs> Well, Louis, if you'll excuse me, I'll go up to the hunting lodge and freshen up. As they say in Spanish, mañana, oya, noches to you. And your mama's own nice shirt to you, too. <laughs> hey, Costello, Costello, look up on that mountaintop. Now, there's a mother stork and two little storks. Yeah, Abbott. Can I ask you a question? Well, certainly. When the mama stork talks things over with the little storks, who does she say brings the babies? Soldiers, there's skinny hombre in your party. Uh, yes, there is. Why? Well, you better go over there and get him. A gopher just dragged him down into its hole. 
Who are you, stranger? I'm the game warden. Yeah? What's your game, warden? <laughs> you want to know my game, partner? I'll tell you. It's far cheesy. But being up here in the wild country so much, I trained three little skunks to play bridge with me. Is it a steep game? No, we only play for a tenth of a cent. Warden, <laughs> uh, we're after some big game. Have you seen any uh, hereabouts? 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 Abbott, I thought we came up here to shoot deer. I wouldn't shoot a poor little hereabouts for anything in the world. Anybody that will shoot a little hereabouts and make a widow out of a sheabouts ought to be ashamed of themselves. Oh, shut up, you idiot. Uh, how about it, Warden? Is there any big game around here? Well, there's a ferocious mountain lion that has been terrorizing the countryside. He's been killing the farmer's chickens, and he's even been stealing eggs. At the price eggs are now, I don't blame him. That's a reward of $1,000 to the man that gets that mountain lion. One of you boys ought to trap him. Which one of us would you suggest? Why don't you try, Tubby? You got the biggest trap. Hey, who are those guys? That's the Nebraska football team. <laughs> If you shoot that line, I'll give you $1,000 for a skin. I need it to make stockings. What kind of stockings can you make out of line skin? Nylon stockings. <laughs> so long, Lordhead. Hey, you hear that, fellas? The line's just north of us. Which way south? <laughs> Come here, you coward. If you're afraid... You're not afraid to take this chance, you understand? Yeah. I'll take this cane, you see it? Yeah. A lion won't bite you if you're carrying a cane. Yeah, but how fast do I have to be carrying a cane? <laughs> I ain't mucking around with no lions, Abbott. The last time I saw a lion was in the Adirondack Mountains. What happened? I snapped at the lion, then the lion snapped at me, and then something whizzed past. What was it? Kansas City. <laughs> Quiet. I hear something. Listen. I love you. Ouch. I love you. Ouch. I love you. Ouch. I love you. Ouch. Costello, what was that? Two porcupines necking. <laughs> All right, Costello. All right, now take it easy, kid. I'm right in back of you. Don't worry about me. Here's the mouth of the cave. Now, go in there. That's a pal for you. I let you go in and get the lion, don't I? You want me to go in and get the lion? Certainly, I'm your friend. Why don't you go in and get the lion? Oh, what do you mean? You want me to go in? I have a family. Oh, what I got? Never mind what you've got. You go ahead and get that lion. Okay. I mean, hey, what's the matter? You're scared? Look at you. Your knees are knocking. I always knock before I enter a cave. <laughs> Take it easy. Buck up, Costello. And remember, make the lion believe you're not afraid of him. I couldn't be that deceitful. <laughs> You've got to think of those poor people who've lost their cattle and their chickens and their eggs on account of that lion. How can you face them, Costello? Think of it. How can you face them when they may be starving? How can I face that lion? He may be starving, too. Oh, there you are, Lewis, honey. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I know you're going in that cave and kill that lion just for me. 
I am? Yes. And, Lewis, honey, I'd do anything for you. Why, I'd climb the highest mountain. I'd swim the deepest river. How do you like that? Terry, I'm facing death, death, and this dame is going to go out climbing and swimming. Okay, I'll go in. But if that line runs out, don't nobody shoot at him. Why not? I may be inside of him. <laughs> Gee, it's certainly dark in this lion's cave. Why don't you light a match? <laughs> Who said that? It's me, the lion. <laughs> what do you know? A talking lion. I gotta, I gotta tell Abbott, Skinny, and Merlin about this. Oh, no, no, you must never tell anyone. I'm a hermit, and I just hate people. <laughs> I wear this lion skin to scare them away. I live in this cave all alone. How did you find this cave with all the housing shortage? I subleased it from a bear that went on the road with the skating act. <laughs> you must get lonesome here all alone. Why don't you get a roommate? I had a roommate and milk. And then the meat shortage came along. <laughs> You mean that... See this tooth hanging on this watch chain? Yeah. Well, it ain't mine. <laughs> Look, Mr. Hermit, my girl is outside. I promised her I'd bring out the line. Give me that line skin and I'll take it out there and everybody will think you're dead and nobody will bother you anymore. Here, take the skin. Oh, goody, goody. Now I can be a real hermit. And then I won't be bothered by Lucille Ball, Betty Grable, or Marilyn Maxwell. <laughs> Gee... Do they call you? No, that's what bothers me. <laughs> hey, look. Here comes Costello out of the cave. Oh, my hero. Look, he has the lion skin. Who is the greatest hunter of them all? Bring him back alive, Costello. When there is danger, who's the one they call? Bring him back alive, Costello. Once I found a baby leopard with milk, I filled his tummy. And then in some distant room, I helped him find his mummy. He caught Tarzan, everything he knows. When in danger, he's not yellow. Who looks dapper in his hunting clothes? No one but my handsome fellow. One day I caught a tiger. I wasn't even trying. And in the movie house, I caught a metro golden lion. Petrified beauty, the greatest hunter of them all. Costello. Yeah. You've hunted a lot of big game. Tell me, did you ever hunt bear? I can't have it. The bushes tickle me. <laughs> Once I saw a mink, though. I saw a mink crying in the woods. I picked him up and I said to him, Though you'll be a coastal on a turner, left mink, left Though you'll be a lovely hat for Myrna, left me. That's heroes, you'll have the best table. Think of those cold nights with Betty Shapiro. When you're on display at Bullock's Wilshire, giggle, meat, giggle. All your cares will vanish if your tail will wiggle, me. Wiggle, me. <laughs> don't be 
growing up. When you see Frank Buck, My brave adventurer. Someday you must take me hunting with you. I will, Marilyn, my love. And you can ride on my Papa Jackass. A Papa Jackass? Well, how do you know he's married? All jackasses are married. Oh, my hero. Let's celebrate tonight. We'll go to the smartest restaurant for dinner, see the best show in town, and then visit all the swanky nightclubs. Then I'll kiss you goodnight and... After you've gone and left me crying, after you've gone, there's no denying how lonesome I'll be, there's no one I'll see, until she finds another sucker like me. Penguin, he looks so awful cute. I haven't got the penguin, but I'm wearing his dress suit. He makes the others hang their heads in shame. He's so groovy, he's so mellow. I catch a famous animal from every living herd. I even caught a Detroit tiger sliding in the third. skin. Wait a minute, Costello. There's something phony about this. Turn that skin over. <laughs> I thought so. There's a label on that lion's skin, Costello. Come on, read it. Eastern Columbia, Broadway at night. <laughs> By the way, Costello, the uh, December 10th issue of Look Magazine has printed the pictures of your big barbecue party for the kids. Uh... Yes. Did you see it, Abbott? I did. I saw your picture, your wife's picture, your kids' pictures, and my picture. But I didn't see my wife Betty's picture. And I know they took Betty's picture. Now, where's my wife's picture? Why wasn't it in there? Well, the fellow that took your wife's picture couldn't develop it. Why not? He was afraid to go into the dark room with it alone. Oh, Hey, thank you for being part of the Carnival Screams Old Time Radio Podcast. Don't forget about our new Patreon page. It's full of extras you will not hear on our podcast, and you will also get two podcasts for the price of one. So make sure to hit the Patreon link at the top of our show notes, and we'll be back next week with more Old Time Radio. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.